Hey there, folks. Welcome to another installment of The Detailian Mind. I'm your host, Jason. This afternoon, I'll be going through Season 3 of Fringe. And so we kind of start off with uh, kind of a re- recap of uh, Season 2. And that's basically where um, the series leaves off with not only Peter finding out he is from the alternate universe but meeting his father from that universe and then going over to the ultimate alternate universe to kind of meet his family and kind of see how his world looks. Uh, as a result of this shift where he goes over and follows his father, he also has kind of a breakdown in his relationship with the Walter that, uh, we know from, I guess the original timeline, if you will. And so, that's kind of where we, 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 we leave off season two. And we realize that Peter is now in an internal struggle to figure out what to do, which side to take. Now, as I also mentioned in last podcast's episode about season two of Fringe, we do find out that... Uh, the, the, the fringe division goes into the alternate reality and extracts Peter back to the quote-unquote original timeline that we see all the way from the beginning of season one. Um, and in the process of that, of that extraction, William Bell, who is a former colleague of Walter and the founder or owner of the company Massive Dynamic, he dies in the process of extracting Peter, as well as the fact that there is a uh, switcheroo with the Olivias, and we find out that the original timeline Olivia gets basically kidnapped and put in jail in the alternate universe, and the alternate Olivia goes back with the group that extracted Peter from this alternate timeline, basically acting as a spy. So that's kind of where the whole season two uh, main story plot ends. So now we're into season three here. And basically what the beginning of season three looks like is um, alternate Olivia is trying to play the spy role and gather information about what they know regarding this particular device. And this device, as seen in Season 2, is kind of considered to be some sort of, like, doomsday weapon or some basically a weapon that can be used to um, help one side or the other become dominant in this quest for one or the other uh, timeline to succeed and, and to survive the calamity that is these phenomenon happening. And so that's kind of where, where this whole story begins in season three. So Olivia is working with the shapeshifters, infiltrated the fringe division, trying to figure out information about this device, the pieces, how it works, stuff like that. Um, and to do that, she has to get close to Peter and pretend to be the Olivia of the original timeline 
and how she was getting close to Peter. So she had to masquerade as this Olivia and and get close to Peter, Um, which she successfully does. And so Peter is in a relationship with whom he thinks to be the original Olivia. Um, Meanwhile, in the alternate timeline, we see the actual Olivia trying to figure out how she's going to deal with her situation. Especially since the alternate reality fringe division and the Secretary of Defense, which is Walter, his game plan is, is to basically brainwash Olivia into thinking she is the alternate Olivia. And that way utilize her for what her powers and her abilities in hopes that they could gain the upper hand in this basically cold war between the original timeline and the alternate timeline. Um, so that's kind of what's going on right now on the, on the boat on both sides. And for a while there, you see how Olivia actually starts believing that she is the alternate Olivia. Um, and then there's a phase that she goes through where she pretends to be the alternate Olivia and that the brainwashing is working in hopes that she can figure out a way to get back to her timeline. And so while she's going on and doing all that in the other timeline, we realize that in the original timeline, Peter and Walter are still at odds with each other because of the whole situation with Walter kidnapping Peter from his original timeline and bringing him back and raising him as his own. There's still that that um, that struggle, that butting of heads between the two. Uh, but there's also another aspect of it, and that is Peter is starting to look into this device, trying to understand what it is, where the pieces are, what and what the device does in relation to himself. And Walter is afraid that if Peter learns about the device how to build it, the components of it, that it will get built, and that it's not only going to be a doomsday weapon, but it's also going to be the death of Peter. Because in the manuscript that they found, it shows what looks like Peter's face kind of hand-sketched in there, both his eyes on fire, and basically it looks very, you know, uh, deathly in terms of what's going to happen to Peter if he jumps into this machine and allows his body to be used as a conduit for this machine. So Walter and Peter are at odds for a couple reasons, mainly because of the whole uh, kidnapping and bringing them to the original timeline, but also because Peter wants to understand this device, whereas Walter doesn't want anything to be done about it. He doesn't want to investigate it, he doesn't want to understand it, because he's afraid that it's going to be a device that will kill Peter. Um as well as be used as a weapon of destruction. So his best idea is, let's just, you know, bury this thing in the sand and keep it buried. Let's not figure out what it is, where its pieces are, how its pieces work, anything like that. Um, so that kind of is how that first portion goes on. Now, obviously, at some point in Season 3, it's discovered that Alternate Olivia is exactly that, alternate Olivia. And 
the swaparoo happens where Olivia is able to get back to her timeline. And this kind of forces alternate Olivia to, to escape and run and get back to her timeline. She uses the shapeshifters to help and she gets back to her timeline. And that also coincides with her mission being excess in terms of getting information about the machine. And so the shapeshifters working with alternate Olivia are able to get information about the machine and how to assemble it and the pieces needed. And so that kind of forces the original timeline to also do the same thing and build their side and make sure that it's ready to go as well. And so you kind of see how the story progresses into kind of certain truths that are brought to light. The spying campaign by alternate Olivia. As well as the need to now have both sides build this this machine to further their cause. That is the survival of their timeline. Um... And from there, what the whole battle or the Cold War, if you will, between these two timelines centers around then is the who is going to win, quote unquote, win Peter's heart. Because they find out that Peter is the central component to this machine. They realize that whoever, whichever side, the, the original timeline or the ultimate timeline, whichever side can convince Peter to operate on their behalf will be the timeline that wins out and um, the other side gets destroyed. So now it becomes a battle of, of winning over Peter and trying to convince Peter to choose them. Um, and so that kind of intertwines some of the side plots. Obviously, as I mentioned before, there is the relationship between Peter and Olivia. Alternate Olivia uses that to her advantage as well as hopefully using uh, who she is and the alternate timeline's side being Peter's original side, trying to use that to her advantage. Also, you got the alternate... uh, world Alton Earth's Walter trying to do the same thing and so it's basically one big tug of war in terms of who's going to be the father figure who's going to be the uh, the lover or partner in Peter's life and uh, the other thing that kind of throws a uh, curveball into the whole situation is well alternate Olivia is back in her timeline come to find out she is pregnant with Peter's child and gives birth to Peter's child and um, so there's that whole um, situation that develops because now alternate Olivia actually does have feelings genuine feelings for Peter and she's also got his kid and kind of the the, the twist that happens as a result is that um, when Walter finds out this alternate uh, Earth Walter, what he tries to do is he gets a, a sample of the baby's blood and he is basically able to work around the machine's requirement to have Peter in it in order for it to operate. 
and he does he does that using the blood of the, the baby and so he was able to take a, a, a sample of it and then synthesize basically a way to try to work around it and, and start up the machine and get working so that he can use it to destroy the original timeline so that the alternate timeline is successful and, is, and survives the ordeal. Because he believes that by destroying the original timeline, that destruction will stop all the, the natural or all the supernatural or, or, or uh, strange phenomenon from occurring in the alternate Earth that is slowly tearing apart that, that planet. So he basically figures out a workaround which uh, gets thwarted in the end by Peter and the original timeline. And so, what happens is, is it kind of does the, uh, um, it does the thing that the movie Clue does, in that it, it kind of shows you the one possible timeline or one possible solution that happens. And so, when you go into this whole um, situation where, Peter now decides to get into the um, to the machine and override what the alternate Walter is doing. He goes in and he makes the decision to, you know, side with the original timeline because he realized that the alternate Walter had some pretty nefarious plans. The original timeline had the machine built. They weren't using it. You know, they didn't want to use it. They wanted to try to figure out a way that they could work something out with the alternate timeline. Whereas when alternate Walter built his machine, he immediately tried to figure out a workaround demonstrating that he really did not care about his son. He just wanted to make sure that his world survived in the other at the expense of the original timeline's world. So, you know... He kind of realized that his, his real father was actually being less of a real father than his adopted father, Walter, in the original timeline. And so that kind of basically really helped um, cement in, in Peter's mind which side he was going to take. And so he takes the side of the original timeline with the Walter he grew up believing was his father, even though he kidnapped him from alternate Earth and alternate Walter. And destroys this alternate timeline. And what happens is, is like I said, with in reference to the Clue movie, um, they kind of give you a what if scenario. Well, here's how it would here here's how it all happen if this actually was the case. So Peter, like I said, Peter made the decision to wipe out the alternate universe, and then they think that that is the case. Well, 15 years later, they realize that both timelines are now intricately linked. And so by Peter destroying the alternate universe, that was basically the death knell for their own universe. And so it basically made it so that what was happening in the alternate universe was starting to happen in the original timeline. That is the decay of the... of the fabric of space-time continuum and all that stuff. And so they real, he realized that, well, crap, because I destroyed the alternate universe, the calamity that was slowly befalling that universe is now 
going to befall this universe. And it's just a matter of time before this universe is all ripped apart because of these phenomenon that have now since spilled over into the original timeline. So, um, you kind of see 15, the whole 15 years later thing and how it all starts to, everything goes downhill and, um, the original timeline starts to fall apart. These phenomenon are just ripping it apart left and right. And by this time, obviously, Peter is married to Olivia and she ends up getting killed. And basically what happens is, and I can't quite remember exactly how they do this, but what happens is, is Peter ends up deciding to use some sort of a time travel situation where he goes back in time and he stops himself from using the machine to destroy the alternate timeline. And so we come to find out that it's actually Peter and Walter from the future that send all these plans back into the past for people to discover throughout the ages and all that other stuff. Um, when it comes to the machine, spreading the parts and hiding them around places. Basically, you, you know, it, it, it kind of smells a little bit of the uh, episode from Stargate where they do that too, where they go back in time and, and pretty much help set it up so that their, their f- uh, future past self will find what they need in order to win the day and help the rebellion. You know, it's kind of one of those things where it's, you know, I'm my grandfather's father type of thing. It, it you know, it's one of those things where you kind of have to watch the actual show to, to understand. But that that's basically what they're doing is they're basically, you know, going back in time, setting the, the, the roots down so that their past selves will find these things and get that ball rolling so that they could also go back in time too and then correct the record. So that's kind of what you see is going on is they, they basically try to go back and, and, and change history and they are successful. And so this whole what if scenario, you know, like I said, that is, you know, kind of has the, the whole clue vibe to it that uh, from that movie, they basically go back and undo what they did. And how season three ends is Peter instead does not choose to destroy um, the alternate universe. And instead he uses the, um, the machine to act like a bridge to stabilize both of them. Now there's still going to be some, you know, some of these strange phenomenon that are happening, but he uses it as a way to, um, basically bridge the gap and use it as kind of like a diplomatic type of a situation where the machine is now built and is there to ensure that both universes will be able to survive congruently with each other. And the season ends where Peter is successful in doing this, but all of a sudden he disappears. And so that's kind of where they season three leaves you hanging is what happened to Peter. He was successful. He saved both timelines. He was able to make it so that the alternate universe was not going to be ripped apart uh, slowly from all these phenomenon as a result of the uh, the jumps between uh, timelines. 
So he's able to put a big band-aid in and help fix the problem, mostly. The problem is, is now he disappears. And where did he go? So that kind of is where we are left off in, at the end of season three. Where did Peter go? Why did he disappear? He was there with everybody celebrating with both sides that they were able to come together and fix the problem, mostly, and use the machine as a bridge. And now then all of a sudden he disappears. What happened to him? Why? What's going on here? So that's the, the, the main story plot for season three of Fringe. Um... As I mentioned, there's a bunch of side plots that are going on as this main story unfolds. Um, there's the side plot of uh, original Olivia developing a, a close friendship with alternate uh, Broyles, who is, you recall, the uh, FBI fringe division uh, head. So she's able to v- develop a friendship with him and use his alternate history and his family to befriend them and get his help. Obviously, as I mentioned, you've got the alternate Olivia and you've got the uh, relationship that she kind of pushes forward with Peter. And then as a result of basically it's a love triangle between Peter, Olivia, and alternate Olivia. When original Olivia gets back, She's just, you know, totally, you know, distraught that basically not... First of all, that Peter and Walter and all the others, it took them so long, quote-unquote so long, to figure out that alternate Olivia wasn't her, that she felt betrayed as a person. And so she didn't want to have any kind of romantic relationship with Peter. She felt that that was kind of the, you know, the, the deal breaker, if you will, because her attitude was as... Well, you know, if you love me like you say you do, then you would know that that wasn't me and you wouldn't have fell for her ploy, you know. Um, so that kind of was the, the main side side plot that was going on, you know, and it kind of reeked of a hypocrisy because if you remember back to season one where I was discussing her little issue with her uh, her partner, when she was dealing with that loss, when, when her partner, John, and her lover, John, when, when he died, she was just beside herself, you know, in grief and all that stuff. And everybody came together and, and gave her support to say, hey, you know, you couldn't have known that he was going to be uh, um, duplicit in this regard. And so you can't be hard on yourself. You know, he... He lied and he deceived everybody, you know, and, you know, people were really supportive of her when, when she was in that position. And then all of a sudden, when it came time for her to recognize and, and show sympathy towards Peter and Walter, who felt betrayed, and everybody else in the, in the precinct who felt betrayed because they thought alternate Olivia was their Olivia... She was very judgmental on him. So, you know, it kind of... This whole side plot really kind of shows the hypocrisy and the, uh, you know, just... The bullshittery behind the character that is Olivia. And that's kind of one of my... The, one of the cons that I have with uh, season three. Um, 
is that it never it seems like Olivia is always in this position of being this bratty stuck up you know bitch that that that's really how that character comes off to me in this show she doesn't grow as a person even in season three she's still insecure about herself and all this all the, the themes everything that I talk about in season one and season two about the cons surrounding Olivia they're still there in season three she doesn't learn anything she doesn't realize that she doesn't have to behave this way that she can grow and improve as a person and so it's just frustrating to see it you know season one like I mentioned season one the, 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 the other characters are supportive of her and try to help her out, feel compassion for her in her loss and her frustration at the duplicity of her lover and ex-partner uh, John. In season two, the same thing. When, when she feels betrayed and when she feels frustrated and, and all that stuff, when she finds out that her, her best friend, Charlie, was replaced by a shapeshifter... She felt betrayed, you know, she felt that loss, you know, and, and everybody else was around there saying, hey, you know, we feel for you, but we're going to comfort you, we're going to make you feel like you're, you know, part of family, if you will, at the loss of her best friend, you know, but in season three, she can't even, you know, she can't even extend that courtesy to everybody else when they felt betrayed for how alternate Olivia deceived them, and so... That's my, my biggest con with, with season three is that they continue to have Olivia just be this self-centered, insecure brat that always has to be dependent upon getting approval and comfort and help from everybody else and not being a strong, independent woman like what, I don't know, somebody in that kind of a position should be. She's a, Remember, she's an FBI agent part of a special unit fringe division with special powers because she's been experimented on. You would think that all these things together with having a very um, supportive cast of characters around her would change her over these three seasons, but they don't. You know, now maybe this is the uh, TV show's, uh, you know, maybe they did that on purpose. You know, maybe this was supposed to be a flawed character throughout the whole thing and that this flawness is supposed to make us frustrated at our character if that's the case then you know bravo they did a good job but you know from my perspective I see it a con in this whole uh, um, season it's just it kind of detracts from it because it kind of shows that yeah sure that some people don't change but at the same token it's like you don't even change a bit, you know. It's still the same person, still the same bullshit insecurities and brattiness and and uh, self-centeredness, you know. And so, um, so when it comes to season three, that's my uh, that's my con. Um, the other con that I have for season three is there's still no development for Astrid. Uh, you do get to meet the alternate Astrid, which she kind of acts basically like a human computer uh, a lot like Sheldon Cooper if you will from Big Bang Theory so just really she can crunch numbers just like that on the snap you know so that's cool to see 
you know, but she also kind of seems like she has some sort of autism to her as well, you know, just some sort of social or cultural um, um, awkwardness as a result of being super smart. Um, and in, in the original timeline, she's already super smart as well. You know, she's an assistant. She's an FBI, a junior FBI agent. She's an assistant not only to Olivia, but also to Walter. But she's also really smart in the original timeline. And in, in the alternate timeline, she's even smarter. But I think what they do is they, they, they along with that super smart uh, increase... They also kind of add in a little bit of autism or a little bit of social or, or cultural or, you know, that kind of awkwardness in there where she doesn't really know how to interact uh, with people on an emotional level and, and stuff like that. So I, I guess in a way that is kind of a, a new, um, slightly different version of Astrid to where you can kind of see how they're starting to develop her character, even though it's the alternate version of herself. Um... I would still, though, like to see much more content about Astrid's uh, backstory. There's nothing. There's no background information on her. It's just she's a junior FBI agent that's been assigned to help Olivia and also help Walter because of her scientific background and how smart she is. So that's the the con of it. Um... The pros for the show, once again, I do like how they bring in the, the uh, what seems like mundane phenomenon that are that can be seen as quote-unquote filler episodes. I do like how they bring those into the main story and how they really focus them around um, the plot that's going through. For example... Uh, there's kind of a, uh, a thing called uh, number stations where it's just these weird uh, um, frequencies that always broadcast numbers and uh, apparently it intrigues people even to this day as to what they are and who's causing them and all this stuff. Well, they have an episode in there where it's a number station and they're trying to figure out what's going on with this number station. Well, they figure out a way to later on tie that thing back into the main storyline to kind of help move the story along. So I thought that was really nice. I think they do a really good job, you know, winding all these side stories and winding all of these what seem like filler episodes of mundane phenomenon uh, back into the main story to really help give that main plot a lot more depth to it. Um, And then I, I do like how... They leave the whole series, or they leave the, the whole season open-ended with what happened to Peter. You know, all of a sudden, boom, he disappears. You know, that's, I, I kind of like how they how they did that. That's kind of like what I mentioned with uh, season two. They should have left season, season two with Peter going over to the alternate timeline. You know, so they got that ending for season three correct. Boom, he disappears. What happened to him? I don't know. Wait till season four, you know? perfect way to end it cliffhanger and uh the story plot was just spot on uh i know a lot of people don't like time travel you know and and like figuring out what happens and having to go back and do it again um and 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 change the story that way in this case i don't mind it so much you know it's to be expected given you're 
dealing with a bunch of different phenomenon, dealing with physics and, and, and what have you, it would make sense that time travel would eventually come into the series and have an impactful role on what's going on. And so they, they were able to really play it in there and, and use it properly. Uh, I didn't do a very good job of describing it earlier, but uh, if you watch the season three um, episode series there, you'll see how they really tie it in and they do a really good job of saying, hey, you know, here's a decision that Peter made 15 years later. Oh, crap, bad decision. Let's go back and try it again. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, even bigger change in that Peter's gone. So I do like how they ended up... Uh, shifting season three to where we get to where we were with Peter disappearing. Um, and I like how they also brought in the observers a lot more and gave them a lot more of a role in what's going on. Um, and that's kind of one of the side plots that I forgot to mention. And that is the kind of the, the um, I guess the working relationship, if you will, between the observers and Walter. And kind of the the uh, that interpersonal struggle that Walter's going through, you know, because he's still trying to atone for his um, past behavior, for the experiments on children, for ripping uh, holes in, into the fabric of time and space and jumping over to another timeline. He's still trying to atone and find redemption for his past mistakes. And part of that he is learning that you know getting his his former memories back and being like this uber genius is no longer what's important it's no longer what is necessary or needed to be a you know to be the person he wants to be he now realizes that who he is now is better even though he is no longer as smart but that's okay because he feels that he is a, a much better person when it comes to just being a decent human being. And so um, you kind of see that whole development in Walter and how he gets to be a better person. And he starts to realize, you know, I might have to let this my son go. I might have to let Peter go and be his own man. And if that means death, then I can't stop him from investigating this machine or even trying to use it as a tool of creation rather than a, a machine of, uh, of destruction. And so you kind of see how Walter just, you know, is really the most dyma- dynamic character in the whole show. Uh, especially when you compare him in season three to season two and season one, he does the most amount of changing, the most amount of growth, and his character is really well, well built and well, uh, well-developed, and um, so that's another pro that I, that I really see, too, is how, you know, there are some characters out there that they just really do a good job of expanding and changing and um, growing as characters, especially in, in terms of how we perceive them and, and like them or not like them, um, and so... I, I would say that that's probably the, the best part of, of season three is, is, is Walter and then the story plot. So um, so that's kind of my critique on season three of The Fringe. Um, 
as I mentioned in the previous uh, two episodes where I give my little critique of each season, um, I am right now about halfway done with season four. I think I'm on episode 11 or 12 or, or something like that. So I'm, I got another 10 to go before I get to the end of season four here. So hopefully I can get that done here relatively quickly and uh, get my season four critique out to you next week. If not, then uh, I'll just uh, fill in some other shows here and there uh, with other topics. But uh, in the meantime, that's where we're at. And I definitely, once again, recommend that you go and watch this show from beginning to end on your own. It's a really good show, especially if you like sci-fi. Like I said in the beginning, X-Files, Sliders, you know, they do a really good job of coming up with content that is very entertaining and present it in a way that'd be like, yeah, I could see that actually being a thing. I can see that actually happening and, and being recognized in science. You know, that, that's, that's, that's good writing right there. So if you like X-Files, if you like um, sliders, if you like, you know, superhero type uh, um, shows like The Flash or what have you, um, where people get special powers... Um, the Boys would be another one. I would say, you know, if you like those type of shows, definitely check out Fringe, especially with some of them, you know, especially with the, the, the adult humor for comedic relief uh, added in there. That's, you know, that's definitely uh, what I suggest doing is going and checking out for yourself and uh, enjoy that series. I've been enjoying it up to season three and thus far from season four, from what I've been seeing, I really like that as well. So definitely go and check it out. Um, in the meantime, I hope you have a good weekend, good Valentine's Day weekend, and uh, join me again on another episode of The Detailian Mind when I bring out my synopsis of a show, a movie, a book, what have you. Until then, take care.